Record Collections and Recollections. Out of the Box with Mia Hull on FBI Radio. Hey, thanks for tuning in to FBI Radio 94.5. This is Out of the Box. Every Thursday from 12 to 1, I sit down with one person and their record collection and pour over some of the stories and songs from their life. We're broadcasting from the FBI studio in Redfern today, which means we're coming to you from unceded land belonging to the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. I want to take this moment to pay my respects to Gadigal elders past, present and emerging and extend that respect to any First Nations person listening right now. Gadigal people have been sharing stories and songs on this land since the beginning of time. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Out of the Box is a storytelling show, so I'm very excited today to be joined by a storyteller. Jose Alcon tells stories a little bit differently to the way I do. He's a cinematographer and a restaurant owner, and through various lenses and dishes, he tells stories about passion and about love and about his home in both Peru and Australia. Today, we're going to look at those stories through the songs that have defined Jose's life. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Thanks, man. Absolute pleasure, especially to be here in FBI studios in Redfern. It's nice to have you. (laughs) I'm conscious of pigeonholing you as the Peruvian guy, Jose, (laughs) but this story does kick off in Peru. When you think about that time in your life, what does it look like? Wow. I mean, I was in Peru till I was eight, so I was pretty young. Um, I mean, to me, it was just a happy childhood. You know, unbeknownst to me at that time, it was a big... It was a tough time for the nation. There was a terrorist group going on at the time that rattled the whole country. Um, but for me, it was like just happy memories of childhood and spending beautiful time with families and friends. So I just got like happy memories of the time. And you grew up in Lima. Where, like in the geography of Peru, is that? And what did that mean for you? Yeah. So Lima is on the coast. The coast in Peru is the opposite of Australia, where the coast is all desert. Uh, inland is the mountains, the Andes, and then further in, you've got the Amazon. Um, so being a coastal city, um, you know, we had the ocean, seafood, um, all those beautiful things. And the weather's dry there as well. What was your family shaped like? My family had two elder sisters and myself. Um, we grew up a very tight family. Our parents installed in us a big idea of like, you know, love and cherish your family and be really close. To this day, we all are very close. We hang out as much as possible. And same with like a cousins and aunties, like constantly every weekend, we'll be hanging out with family. Like even more so, like we had my grandma and my great-grandmother living with us for a long time. So it was like, it was a big household with a lot of family members. And you've gone on to own Pepito's in Marrickville, a Peruvian restaurant. Was there a time growing up in Peru that food became important to you? Food was important as it was a way to spend time together. It brought everyone together. It was a time when I could be in the kitchen with my family and see them cooking, but at the same time we're talking and hanging out. I never had a, an interest in actually cooking. I just more the idea of hanging out with family. Why do you think that was so important to you? I think it's just embracing that time you have with, you know, special people. So, yeah. At the top of the show, I introduced you as a storyteller through both owning the restaurant and your work as a cinematographer. Both of those are kind of creative things to do. Were you growing up in a place that fostered creativity in that way? Um, Strange, actually. There wasn't really. Like, my father was a mechanic my mum was more into numbers, like in accounting. 
creativity. My great grandmother used to play the piano. So, um, I mean, we had that music playing at a very young age in the house. My grandmother loved movies and especially Hollywood. She was quite theatrical. Um, I think that side of the family really lent itself to creativity. But yeah, my direct, my parents weren't creative people at all. Yeah. I mean, creative in their own ways, but not like as a trade. And you talked about music playing in your household. You haven't chosen your grandmother's piano to play on the show yeah. today. You've actually chosen a Bob Marley song instead. Yeah. Can you tell me about this one? Yeah. Um, besides like listening to my great-grandmother play the piano or my grandmother play things like that, growing up, what I remember the most is hearing my elder sister, Veronica, the music she played. And she had an obsession with many 80s hits, but Bob Marley's really hit a chord with me. It's from as a young kid, just listening to that beat of reggae, you know, and just falling in love with Bob Marley and what he had to say, especially listening to music that had something to say. Obviously, I didn't speak English, but I could understand that, you know, it was singing about something important and making music that made to make a difference. The song you've chosen is called Get Up, Stand Up. Is there something that he's saying in this that resonates with you? Totally. Um, it's about, you know, standing up against oppression. From a young age, um, Peru, it's a very poor country. There's a big divide between the rich and the poor. So growing up and seeing that in your face all the time, um, kind of grew up with this whole notion of injustice and how to fight against it and standing up for the rights of human beings. And yeah, this song to me captures that, like get up and stand up, even if it's not for your own rights, but for the rights of other people. You're listening to FBI Radio 94.5. This is Out of the Box. My name is Mia Hull. I am joined by Jose Alcon, and he's chosen this song. It's Bob Marley and the Wailers. It's called Get Up, Stand Up. Come on, get up, stand up. Stand up for your right. Get up, stand up. Don't give up the fight. Get up, stand up. Stand up for your right. Get up, stand up. Don't give up the fight. You're listening to FBI Radio 94.5 DAB, or if you're streaming via the podcast or on the website, this is Out of the Box, and that song was by Bob Marley and the Wailers. It was called Get Up, Stand Up. The Chooser, my guest on the show, Jose Alcon, a restaurant owner and cinematographer. We did just talk about your early life in Peru, Jose, but you only lived there until you were eight years old. What inspired your move to Australia? Um, So my parents had been in Australia back in the 1970s. So at the time, unlike now, um, Australia welcomed a lot of um, skilled migrants into the country. What were they doing here in the 70s? Dad was working in in airplanes, airplane mechanic. Um, Mum was just busy having, looking after my sister. Oh, no, I think she was working as well. I can't remember what she was doing, but she was working. You weren't alive, so yeah, I don't, you don't remember. have to remember. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, they're both working here. They moved with a lot of um, other friends from Peru to Australia. They were living in Bondi and Darlinghurst as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, the government paid for them to come to Australia. The government paid for the accommodation. The second time they came no, over? No, the first time, the first time. Wow. This is the 70s. Yeah. They eventually went back to Australia. And then when things got bad in Peru with regards to the terrorism... They decided, let's move the family to, back to Australia to give them a better future. Because things were looking pretty bad in Peru, So, because they had the connections, they had work, they had friends here. They decided to, yeah. Just like the obvious Australia. choice. Exactly. Almost. You know, look after your family and give them the best future you can. Did a lot of people leave Peru at that time? 
Yes, a lot of people went, um, you know, some went to Australia, others went to America, Canada. They kind of spread out. A lot of people did stay. Uh, most of my family stayed. Uh, but we just had the luck that we already had history in Australia. Mm. You mentioned in the first part of the show that you hardly knew any English. What was that adjustment like coming here? Yeah, it was funny. I basically, I mean, we learned English in Peru, but, you know, it was year one, year two. It's very basic. Mm. Thin. So I came to Australia just saying, hi, my name is Jose. Where's the bathroom? Like, <laughs> pretty basic. I had to, like, do English courses in Australia. But also my friends just took to me and, like, I basically learned everything from my friends. Um, I guess growing up in, I grew up in the North Shore, so there weren't many Latino kids around there. So I was a bit of this exotic enigma to mm. a lot of kids. So everyone was just kind of drawn to me and yeah, just took me under their wings and taught me the language. And you moved from one coastal city to another coastal city. Did that have any impact on the way you adjusted, do you think? Um, I think it made it easier. Yeah. Um, at a young age, we used to, I used to love the ocean and the beach. Um, got into bodyboarding when I was leaving Peru at a young age. So when I got here, all I wanted to do was get back into the ocean and yeah, I think that helped. Anytime, anytime, you know, we need to do something, we're at the beach every weekend. Mm. Yeah. You might have been too young at the time to speak to this, but I wonder how it might have felt to have had things so tumultuous in Peru and come and live in the northern beaches. What did it feel like to still have friends and family back in that situation yeah I mean looking back in hindsight I've always had this guilt about leaving I think a lot of people that leave their countries in times of turmoil kind of have this sort of dilemma where they feel torn about leaving all that family behind Um, you feel fortunate at the same time you're like I wish you could stay there and be supportive to everyone that you were living with Um, I just actually watched Belfast and um, it was the same same thing you know it's kind of at the end, it's dedicated to the people that left, the people that stayed and everyone they lost. Yeah. Circling back to your immediate family, you talked about your parents kind of having numbersy jobs, but there was a time that your mum did some work as a substitute teacher at your school. Yeah. Why do you remember that? I think as that was probably the moment where everybody literally wanted to be friends. You know, at first, I guess they were like, oh, you know, this kid's new. We don't understand him. And then mum came and did a, a class on about Peru and about like the Incas and all things that people associate with Peru. And every kid was just like, whoa. So from then on, every kid was just like, whoa, tell us more about like the Incas. Tell us more about Peru. Tell us about Yamas. So, so um, yeah, from then on, everybody wanted to be friends. I'm interested in that because when we were doing the research for this episode yesterday, Jose, you talked about the perception that people have of Peru and, you know, about the Incas and alpacas. What did yeah. it feel like? Because I, I feel like that probably is a little bit different to the Peru that you know and love. Yeah. What did it feel like to have the people around you take interest in that touristy kind of side of it? I, well, at that point, I was like, cool. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll wear a little poncho and a little yeah. hat, but, you know, if it means everyone wants to be friends, like, yeah. I'm all for it. I'll be that kid. <laughs> I guess, you you know, you're a kid coming from overseas. You just want to integrate. Uh, Mm. You want to have friends. So, yeah. Um, I mean, I had this expectation of, yeah, I mean, with a migrant family giving up all their life overseas to come to Australia to give the kids a better future, they want you to study. They want you to work hard. And, I mean, you're just a kid. You just want to have fun and, Mm. you know, run amok. Um, So there was constant, there's a lot of trouble with, like, you know, getting detention at school. And my parents, like especially my dad, just being like, they're going to kick you out of school. We've mm-hmm. come to this country to give you a better future. You're throwing it away. So you do have that on your back all the time. 
but you kind of just brush it off. <laughs> what, what did it mean for them then when you started to take interest in creative things like film and cinematography? Yeah, it's a funny thing because, yeah, I mean, growing up as a kid, I always had this idea of I'd be a doctor. You know, I had, my sister had a Barbie doll and I wanted like a Ferrari with like the Ken that was a doctor. So I was like, I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to make lots of money. And then just realizing like that wasn't me. You know, I'm a, I'm a creative person. I like to create and build things. Um, so my parents' idea of like, well, as long as you can make a career out of it, you know, then that's fine. As long as you can go out there and there's an industry and money to be made, that's fine. But as long as it's a job. I remember for years when I was doing a lot of volunteer work and working for free and on passion projects, the question was always, are you getting paid for this? I'm like, no, no, no I'm doing it because it's my passion. They're like, they're like no, no, you got to get paid. you got to mm. get paid. can't be doing things for free. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, I've volunteered at FBI for three years, <laughs> so my parents very much have similar gripes. And, yeah, in the next part of the show, I do want to talk about what it meant for you to build a career in that space. But first, let's play a song. What's the next one you've picked? Um, I've chosen Pennywise, Unknown Road. Was there a reason that you brought this to Out of the Box today? Yeah, um, as I mentioned growing up and getting into surfing, I was in, into bodyboarding at the time. Um, every soundtrack to every video was either American, Australian or Swedish punk rock. So to me, it was just all about punk rock, lived and breathed it. Pretty much travelled up and down the coast chasing waves listening to Pennywise. And Pennywise was my favourite band. This track, Unknown Road, kind of speaks about taking a path that you don't know where you're going to end up. At the same time, we were studying at school Robert, the American poet Robert Frost, and there was a poem called The Road Not Taken. And at the same time, listening to Unknown Road with Pennywise and this poem by Robert Frost, it just, to me, was like, I don't want to spend my life behind a desk. I want to I take that unknown road. I want to just see where life takes me. I want to, you know, just experience the world and do things that, you know, most people don't do. Chosen by my guest on Out of the Box today, restaurant owner and cinematographer Jose Alcon. This is Pennywise. The song is called Unknown Road. Unknown Road. It was Pennywise on FBI Radio 94.5. You are listening to Out of the Box. I'm Mia. I am joined by Jose Alcon, who is a restaurant owner and cinematographer. And I want to get into the title of cinematographer, Jose. Where were you in life when you first started to think about that as something that you could do? Growing up on all these surf trips that I was talking about, we were, I bought it, I saved all this money from working at a pizza shop and I bought a little camera and I was just filming all these little surf trips and making little movies and I was like I really enjoy this you know uh, my sister at the time was studying at university and she was studying advertising um, so seeing what she was doing and going out and I volunteered on a couple of her shoots and going wow there's like there's someone that operates like the camera here that it's like oh you know maybe I could do that so the more I volunteered the more I learned what a cinematographer does um, I kind of started thinking, well, I'd love to be able to get, you know, paid to, yeah, tell stories with a video camera. 
And how do you make that happen? Does it just mean going to uni and studying that? Not really. There's different avenues. Some people go to film school. Some people just start by, you know, starting at the bottom and working their way up. I went to uni because, you know, growing up from immigrant family, you have to go to university. You finish mm. school, you have to go to university. I went and studied uh, film production at university. But to be honest, I learned more from like the day I left and I went and helped out on a film set. I learned lots more on that day. Just, you know, being with a team, seeing how everyone works. Um, by all means, like university and film school is great, especially because a lot of my best friends came from there and a lot of people that I do a lot of film shoots with come from, from there. Mm. Um, but yeah, learning hands-on is by far the best thing to, to get your hands into it. And now that you do it all the time, where does your passion come from and what do you love about it? Yeah, um, my passion comes from telling stories. I mean, that's to me, that's the art of cinematography. It's the art of telling stories. Uh, we tell it visually with lighting, camera angles. I've always been fascinated by stories. I remember, I mean, grew up as a, as a church kid, you know, Peru, it's a Catholic country. To me, like the stories in the Bible, like, like I didn't care if it was real or not. I was like, wow, there's stories. And same with watching movies. I'm like, whoa, like how cool are these stories? So yeah, I, I, love, I love just being able to tell stories visually. Um, taking people on a journey, you know. And part of that was also, I wanted to see the world. I left, I was at school thinking, I want to travel. I want to see the world. And cinematography, and that world is an avenue to see the world. Like I've traveled through pretty much most of the continents in the world through my work as a cinematographer. Yeah, in a few minutes, I want to focus on one of those trips. I realise these questions are kind of abstract as well, but I guess, you know, cinematography to me means working in a team or, you know, bringing a director or a writer's idea to life. So as someone who, as you said, likes telling stories, what do you think it means to tell other people's stories and where do you infuse your own creativity into that? Yeah, as is, yeah, with, um, with film production, you need a team. Um, I learned early on with photography... I mean, for a while there, I did want to be a photojournalist, but then the idea of being by yourself and, I mean, a lot of the a lot of things you got to photograph, I didn't feel right about. And I find it hard, like, separating from humanity. The idea of the cinematography was that, like, I wanted to work with teams. You did mention, you know, part of the interest in cinematography coming from a want to travel. I want to speak about one particular trip to Peru where you took your girlfriend at the time, Ellen, why was that trip important to you and what do you remember about it? I had been already travelling for a fair while um, for work. Um, at the time I had just done a shoot in Costa Rica and we agreed let's go to Peru and live there for, for six months, you know, reconnect with my country. Like I've been back and forth to Peru a lot um, every two years or so just to visit. But this time's like let's go and live there for six months. Let's see if I can work in the film industry there. Um, Ellen wanted to volunteer in shanty towns and poor communities, helping out there. So we based ourselves in Lima, and soon enough it just ended up being that we were going to travel lots while we were there. Went all up and down a lot of like remote places that we'd never been to before. We ended up in the Amazon, um, really remote little communities. I did ayahuasca while I was there, which was I studied um, ayahuasca in university at the time. And just the, I was really interested in the cultural uh, significance of it in, as in the community and with my heritage. So that's kind of the interest in doing it. And at that moment, going through, obviously, all the hallucinations and all the visions and 
believing I was a Jaguar at the time. And I was like, really? oh my gosh, it was, it was insane. But the whole time, all I could see was, was Ellen and just thinking, wow, like, like I'm in love with this girl. Like, you know, this is, like, I just felt safe. The whole time I was like, I'm fine, I'm fine. Like, I'm safe. And from then on, I was like, all I could think of the next day was just, like, I gotta marry this girl, you know? How so long had you been together at that point? Um, we were together oh, at least 10 years, probably. Yeah. So while we were traveling another part, like a week later, just kind of made a ring out of a flower and just kind of proposed. Mm. And then surely we we're just talking, so we're having so much fun here. Let's just get married. Yeah. Let's, like, let's just keep enjoying ourselves and just get married while we're in Peru. What kind of wedding did you have? And did your family come over for that? We got married in a small city in the south called Ayacucho. Um, it's known for having like, I think like 30 something churches. We weren't going to tell our parents, but then we said, let's just tell them just to say that we're going to get married. We didn't expect anyone to come. But my dad, because he worked for Qantas at a time, he was like, I'll be there in the next flight. So he kind of flew over with my suit and just like, yeah, just their part of the wedding. It was him. My cousin and uncle from Lima came over as well. And it was just, yeah, it was just the five of us. Jose, I love that story. I can't <laughs> stop smiling. And I want to go there now with a song. What have you picked? Um, I've picked Caetano Veloso's um, cover of Cucurucucu Paloma. Um, that song is a famous Mexican sort of mariachi song. Uh, the version that Caetano does is from a movie called Habla con ella from Pedro Almodovar. Um, it is haunting and it's beautiful. And um, Chose this song because it's the song that Ellen walked down the aisle to when we got married. Se estremecía al oír su llanto Como sufría por ella Que hasta en su muerte la fue llamando That was Cucurucucu Paloma by Caetano Veloso. This is Out of the Box. And the person back announcing that song was my guest on the show today, Jose Alcon, who is a Spanish speaker. I felt a little bit too insecure to do it (laughs) myself. My name is Mia Hull. It is a pleasure to have your company today. And Jose, throughout the show, I've been introducing you as a cinematographer and as a restaurant owner. We haven't spoken about the restaurant yet. It's called Pepito's. It's in Marrickville. And... I guess what I want to point to is at the very, very top where I asked you about Pepito's and about your early life and when food became important to you and you were like, oh, it wasn't really that important to me growing up. So I'm wondering where that decision to actually make a restaurant came from originally. The big thing that made me want to open a restaurant was for years I've been saying, when is something like inspired by Peru opening up that kind of speaks to my experience about Peru? Like, that reflects the places that I love about my country. Everything that's opened up, it's, you know, they've been really good Peruvian places, but they've ever been home style or a bit fancy. Like, to me, that's not Peru. Like, in Peru, I love La Tabernas, which are, like, these sort of century-old family-run little institutions. Super bohemian, super loud, super fun. You know, kind of the vibe that you get around Newtown, you get around Marrickville. So, to me, I was like, I want to do something that reflects the places that I like to hang out in Peru and do it here. Um, At first it was just an idea and I was just kind of chipping away at it, thinking this is not going to eventuate to anything, but, you know, it was like my creative project. At the time with cinematography, 
I was getting a bit bummed because I'm like, I'm, I'm working on commercials and things that I'm particularly not that passionate about. So I was looking for something creative to put my passionate attention to. This is kind of what took that passion. And I mean, it sounds like such a lofty idea for someone who didn't come from that background. What does it mean to actually turn that into a tangible thing? How, how does that happen? It was, um, I mean, it's scary. Um, the big thing was like my age, like, you know, at the time I was late thirties. Um, I've got a family. It wasn't like, I'm going to take, I'm just going to have a fun idea. I'm going to open up this place. Like I had to do my homework. So I was fortunate that I've known of a couple of really successful people in hospitality. So I just picked their brains for two years. Um, I'm like, I indebted to them for, for the rest of my life. Guys like uh, Alex and Daisy from TO's OK Cantina, like they opened up so much knowledge and all their experiences to help me open this up. And same with my friend Jack Smythe from Mary's. They gave so much of the time to make sure that what I was doing like was going to be successful, to, to learn from their mistakes and be able to open up, you know, something that people wanted to go and hang out in. And when it did come to opening Pepito's, that happened in 2020, which looking back at it now, maybe wasn't the best time <laughs> to open a restaurant. But I don't know, you seem to have a different spin on that. Can you can you tell me about that? Yeah, um, part of me thinks it was the best time to open a restaurant. Um, every, everywhere else was closing. Uh, we were opening up. So there was this huge attention about, you know, this restaurant that was opening up in the middle of a pandemic. I mean, we were, we had already, I had invested so much time and money into opening this place. So there was no way a pandemic was going to stop us. Um, even if it meant we had to serve 20 people to open up with, it's like, doesn't matter. Like, you know, we've put so much into it and we want to share our story with, you know, our neighborhood. It's like a forced soft launch almost. Yeah. I mean, which is good because sometimes you want to start slowly to, mm. you know, to work out what you're doing which was thankfully we, yeah. But I don't think it's ever really been quiet at Pepito's, no. has it? No, timing-wise, uh, we opened up to Broadshit doing an article on us and suddenly we were packed from day one. I read that Broadsheet article and it's interesting. They take a lot of interest in the fact that the venue itself is in an old seafood shop. Why do yeah. you think that matters to them or does that matter to you at all? Is there a reason you chose that location? Yeah, um, I love history and I love preserving history. So, I mean, my neighborhood is Marrickville and I love old Marrickville. So I wanted to find a venue that had that, the, the bare bones and it had that history. Um, I love the look of it because it's old. Fish shops got tiles everywhere. And that's kind of like what Tabernas in Peru are like. They've got old tiles everywhere. So you kept the tiles that were yeah, originally Yeah, it's all original. Yeah, really? Yeah, everything, everything's original there. We chipped some of the wall to expose some bricks, but all the tiles are original. Um, we wanted to make it feel like that place had been there for 100 years. Amazing. And in a couple of minutes' time, I want to talk about what it means to go into Pepito's now and maybe what someone could expect going there. But we'll have a song break, Jose. What would you like to play? Um, I'd like to play Los Psychos de Moler. Why did you pick this one? As growing up, I was into um, punk rock and particularly Western punk rock. Working on this project with Pepito's, I started researching like what was going on in Peru at the time with regards to, you know, to, to punk rock and heavier music. Los Psychos were considered one of the first punk bands ever in the world. They recorded one album only in 1964. 
and there was just this ang- angry youth in their sound um, way before the UK scene way before the, the American scene and it's just such catchy amazing music and it's called what, Los Psychos Los Psychos Los Psychos <laughs> I'm sorry to any Spanish speakers for getting this wrong, but we are playing Los Psychos on FBI Radio 94.5. This is Out of the Box, and the song was chosen by my guest on the show, Jose Alcon. It was Los Psychos. On <laughs> he's laughing at me for pronouncing it wrong. On FBI That's Radio pronounced, pronounced well. 94.5, I am joined on Out of the Box today by Jose Alcon, restaurant owner and cinematographer. And just before that song, we talked about the conception of Pepitos and breathing life into the restaurant. And you talked about telling a story and, you know, telling the Pepitos story in building the restaurant. What is that story? The story is just what people don't see what Peru is when they go to Peru. Like from day one, the idea was I don't want to have anything that says Peru here. I don't want to have alpacas, llamas, Machu Picchu. Conchos. Exactly. I was like, I don't even (laughs) want to have the color red. Hence why all the tables are blue and white. I wanted to go the opposite. Um, So I want to tell you the story of Peru, of people that grew up in Peru. So, you know. It's that the music, it's like the history of the food, of the drinks, of like, of the culture that people don't associate other countries, you know, like every country's got rock and punk rock, like, mm. but people associate that with Western world. So yeah, it's telling this, like a different story to the nation. I guess what I think is interesting in that is when you talked about the Peruvian restaurants that do already exist in Sydney, you said they were either really flash or home style and I feel like the easiest avenue to tell the story of your country is to cook a home style meal or to cook the meal that you grew up with how are you telling that story without doing the home style thing yeah my angle was more I didn't want to be authentic with food I wanted to be authentic with the atmosphere I wanted you to walk in there and feel like you're in this place in in Peru in Barranco which is like the bohemian suburbs yeah, I was more interested in creating the atmosphere. So when you say the food's not authentic, what do you mean by that? And what can someone expect when they look at the menu? Yeah, I mean, you can, I don't think you can be authentic to a cuisine that requires ingredients from that country. It's just like, it's impossible. We have to recreate the dishes or release the essence and the, the flavours of Peruvian food with Australian ingredients. Um, Presentation-wise, usually Peruvian food is huge serves. Uh, our style's a little bit more like tapas, so it's all smaller dishes that capture the flavor and the sazon, which is the Peruvian word for sort of flavor. Um, we're more interested in capturing the elements of a dish rather than be traditional or authentic. And, yeah, you did just say that when people come in, you want them to feel like they are in Peru. Is that what the reception has been like from Peruvians who visit the restaurant? Yeah, um, they, feel it, they feel it in the food. Like we had someone yesterday, a Peruvian guy that comes in frequently, He's like, he travels all around Australia for work. And he says he's been to all the Peruvian restaurants in Australia and Pepito's is his favourite. He goes, it's the only place that captures like like he's there. 
and not just the atmosphere but the food as well and like it's like how do, how do you capture that like the food the taste like it's brew at the top of the show you talked about food having this really strong association with family for you and you know evoking this feeling of home and you know everyone being together have your family been very involved in Pepitos and how do they feel about the restaurant? Um, they were supportive with the concept. Um, I mean, I named the restaurant after my dad because I think he, I mean, he's the reason we came to Australia and he's also the reason, he's the one that cooks in the family. So he enlisted in us that love for food. But yeah, they love it. Like dad used to, you know, go all the time. He's super proud. Like he's proud of our whole family. But like to see him at the restaurant sitting there and like, looking around and seeing people from all walks of life, like enjoying the food and really like getting a taste for, you know, what we're trying to do. Like I've never seen him so proud in my life. That's really beautiful, Jose. (laughs) What does the future hold for Pepitos? Uh, I'm not sure really. I mean, to me, I think I've gone and achieved what I wanted Pepitos to be. Like I wanted to become an institution in Marrickville. I think it, even though it kind of feels like you're overseas in there, the same time it feels very much you're in Marrickville. Yeah, I mean for Pepitos, I'm I'm happy for it to stay there as long as as long as we possibly can grow it. I want to bring more live music in. More uh, live music. Yeah, well we're doing live music every fortnight now. We have a little uh, Spanish punk band that plays, um, but I love to grow that and be a platform for punk bands that sing in their own languages to come and play. Amazing yeah. and. I guess, what does the future hold for you, the owner of Pepitos? Yeah, well, my life it just keeps, you know, I feel like I need to find something else that I'm passionate about. I've always been passionate about nature and conservation. So I really think probably that's going to be my direction to come in the future, heading back towards conservation, particularly with, you know, how it's happening with the climate and the world at the moment. I think that needs quick utmost attention. So... I think that's maybe where my future's leading. Amazing. Well, yeah, watch this space and I'm looking forward to seeing what you do in the future, Jose. Thank you so much for joining me on Out of the Box today. Thanks, man. It's been an absolute pleasure. <laughs> what song would you like to finish with? We are finishing with uh, Jimi Hendrix, Purple Haze. Why did you pick this? Um, as a young kid coming to Australia, this was like a friend gave me, I was in year six and this kid gave me this tape and he's like, listen to this put it in my Walkman and I'm like, whoa, like what is this guy doing to the guitar? It was just like screaming and I was like blown away by by the sound of Jimi Hendrix. Um, And to me it's like I just wanted to play the guitar when I heard Jimi Hendrix and yeah, to to this day Jimi Hendrix just gets me me rocking. I thought you were were saying he just gets me. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll jump into it right now on Out of the Box on FBI Radio 94.5. The song is called Purple Haze. It's, of course, by Jimi Hendrix. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in today. If you did want to listen back to this episode, you can do that on the programs page on fbiradio.com where you'll also find the full list of songs that Jose brought to the show, particularly the ones I wasn't able to pronounce. And I'll put a few details to the things that Jose and I have spoken about. Huge shout out to Sam Dover for editing this episode and do stay tuned. Lunch is right around the corner. FBI. Yeah.